Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Y-Trend Bowie. Hey, everyone. You two have been kind of running the ship this week with all the all the news content uh ben and chris have been away at sundance but they're they're making their journey back today so uh they might return to us tomorrow if they're not exhausted from from sundance uh but let's do it without them today again uh let's start with a news story that broke after we recorded yesterday recorded it broke yesterday afternoon and that is that paramount is making another Transformers film. Actually, it's making not just one, but two. H.J., tell us about it. Yeah, Paramount and Hasbro are looking to revamp the Transformers franchise with two dual movies that are being developed separately. Uh, They've hired two writers to pen the separate uh, developing films. The first one is a script being penned by Joby Harold, who co-wrote the upcoming Zack Snyder zombie movie, Army of the Dead. And the second is being written by Zodiac writer James Vanderbilt. Um, and v- Vanderbilt has been on his project since April 2019 and will reportedly be working on a reboot of Transformers Beast Wars, which is a story that is uh, a, a prequel to the sort of original Transformers continuity and follows the clash of the Maximals and the Predacons. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like animals that turn into Transformers Uh what is the other one? The other one's uh, Bumblebee 2? Uh, we actually don't know. There aren't any uh, more details about um, Harold's uh, project, but according to reports, uh, these two projects will reportedly build out multiple arcs and expand the Transformers universe. Um, one script is rumored to be set within the world of the previous films, while the other is, quote-unquote, a grand-scale reimagining. We're not sure which is which yet, um, but we have more of an idea of what Vanderbilt is. Um, but yeah, it seems like... Um, Paramount and Hasbro are kind of at a um, are, are keeping Transformers a top, top priority, or but are kind of 
sussing out what direction to take this franchise in because of the success of 2018's Bumblebee, which was a very stark difference from the other Transformers films into this approach of more of like a sweet coming of age story. And um, it was a critical success, but not so much, not as much of a box office success as past Transformers films have been. Remember when they had a Transformers writer writer's room and they were like planning out like the next like 20 years of this franchise and what happened to that? It seems like that like went out the window. Uh, yeah. Or like maybe this is the result of that writer's room. Like everyone else just kind of dro- got dropped and these are the two writers left standing. Yeah. But the fact that they announced two separate movies in development reminds me of that quote from the movie Contact. Uh, I think it goes, uh, why make one when you when you can make two for twice the price? So, yeah. Um, Okay, let's move from Transformers to the other cinematic universe that is Marvel Studios. Uh, They're meeting with directors for the future of their projects, and some of those directors are are interesting to be for sure. Brad, tell us about it. Indeed, uh, we have learned that Marvel Studios has met with two uh, very different filmmakers. The first one being Lulu Wang, who is fresh off uh, her acclaimed directorial job on The Farewell. Uh, it's an indie darling that came out of Sundance, was buzzed about during award season, earned Aquafina a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical. Unfortunately, didn't get any Oscar nominations, but this was a, a breakthrough enough movie for Lulu Wang as a director that Marvel Studios has met with her at some point. It's not clear if this was something that happened before The Farewell or after The Farewell got a lot of buzz, uh, but during a Hollywood Reporter roundtable with a bunch of directors who have been buzzed about this award season, like uh, Martin Scorsese and Todd Phillips and Noah Baumbach, uh, the moderator of the discussion asked <clears throat> if anybody had been uh, approached by Marvel to direct a film. And Lulu Wang raised her hand, but then she immediately said, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, and laughed. Uh, so she didn't say what movie she met for, if it was a specific project, or if it was one of those general meetings that Marvel likes to have with directors just to see if they have an interesting idea for a certain character or something like that. Um, but it's very cool to see that Marvel's meeting with her. You know, there's a, there's always a chance that maybe she was in the running for Black Widow because they were eyeing a lot of different indie uh, female filmmakers for that movie. Uh, there's also a chance that maybe she was uh, talked to about Shang-Chi. Uh, Lulu Wang herself is a Chinese-American, and I'm sure they want a filmmaker, wanted a filmmaker who could handle uh, that material sensitively since Shang-Chi has kind of... Uh, use Chinese culture in weird, uh, probably <laughs> misadvised ways yeah. uh, in pre- past Marvel comic stories. So, uh, so it would have been nice to have her on board. Um, it, but it, as we know, they got they got a different director for that. So, and also they could be looking at her for TV because they have that that Hawkeye TV series coming out, which I feel like uh, she might be good for as well. And uh, that that does not have a director, right? So. Um, if you if I'm guessing I'm I'm going to guess and say it's just a general meeting to just like meet with her. But Marvel has had a history of like, you know, seeing people who had like, you know, big breaks from Sundance and picking those people up to to helm like big Marvel projects. So my question to you, Brad, is like out of all the Marvel stuff that we know is coming, like what would you like to see Lu Wang do or would you not even want like would you just want her to do something I mean I, I guess the answer is you know let's let's give her some more money to do something original but that's not the world we live in right yeah true um I honestly don't know I mean they, they have a lot of, a lot of their future stuff figured out with the exception of Disney uh plus shows so I don't really have anything specific that I, I think that she uh she would be good for yeah 
So no Doctor Strange in the multiverse of, of madness. <laughs> I mean, I, she's a, a, skilled, a skilled enough director, but I haven't seen anything yeah, yeah. that she's done that makes me think, oh, she could totally get, get weird in the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, she's not the only director that we've recently heard met with Marvel. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, Adil LRB and uh, Bilal Falah uh, met with Marvel as well. They're the uh, directing duo behind Bad Boys for Life, which uh, just surprised the hell out of a lot of people by uh, overperforming at the box office. And it was also pretty dang good, apparently. People are liking it, and it actually works pretty well as uh, a sequel that came, many thought would be maybe too little too late. But uh, this was one of those general meetings that they had with Marvel where there's nothing set in stone. They just wanted to meet with the directors, see what they had, uh, you know, as far as ideas for maybe many movies. But since they were pretty busy with uh, bad boys around the time, they didn't necessarily have anything specific to talk to them about. So apparently right now they've been digging into Marvel stuff and seeing if there's anything that uh, they might want to pitch to Marvel and see see if they're interested. I still have not seen bad boys for, for life. You saw it though, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, oh. I, I was I was supposed to, and then the, the plans fell through, and so I'm uh, I'm supposed to. I'm actually supposed to see it tonight. I'm so surprised at how well received that movie is because the trailers looked so bad. But um, I actually didn't think the trailers looked bad. I thought it looked pretty much right on par with the rest of Bad Boys. So it seemed to lack like the energy and action of the Michael Bay movies. But maybe, you know. I don't know. I, I, I want to see the movie. I just haven't made it to the cinema. I'm going to use my AMC A-list uh, to go see that probably this weekend. Uh, but let's let's talk about The Thing. They are now doing another remake of The Thing, but this one's a little bit interesting because it's not a remake of the movie. It's a remake of the original novel. HD, tell us about that. Yes, Universal and Bloomhouse are reportedly teaming up to remake The Thing, uh, which most people know as the John Carpenter uh, film that was a cult classic. Um, and it was that John Carpenter film was actually based off of a John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? But recently, the full version of uh, Campbell's book was um, has surfaced, and uh, the entire novel titled Frozen Hell is uh, soon to be published in novel-length form. And Universal and Bloomhouse are reportedly going to adapt the never-before-seen lost pages of that original novel in a new uh, remake of The Thing. Do we know what is the differences between the novel and the movie that we've gotten? Well, we don't know yet, um, but the original novella, which is called Who Goes There, was published in an August 1938 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, but had been cut down for publication. Um, and it was a novella length, but this new version is apparently novel length. So there are apparently uh, much more backstory and exposition that goes into building the world. Um, we don't know the details as of yet, but that's something that will be going into this uh, feature length remake. Are, are you a fan of the thing? I haven't seen it, um, uh, so I can't say I am. But I know that it's a beloved film. It is beloved. Yeah, that, um, I I'm not a huge fan of the thing. Like I I feel like uh, a lot How, of what? How are you not a huge fan of the I'm thing? Not, okay, like a, a perfect sci-fi thriller. What are you talking about? I okay, Brad. Tell us why you love the thing and and what what you think of this this remake or adaptation. Yeah, I mean the thing is one of John Carpenter's best movies, and like it, it, I just love that it has this mystery to it and this suspense because you don't know uh, who has been taken over by this this alien being. 
the the effects in it are are great. They're practical. They still hold up. Uh, the entire cast is awesome. Kurt Russell leads it. I mean, it's yeah. There's so many reasons to to love this movie. It is just outstanding in pretty in pretty much every way. Um, since this is an adaptation of the book. I guess I'm fi- fine with them giving it a shot, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see uh, how it goes. But uh, we've already seen them try to touch the thing again once with a, a remake slash sequel, and it didn't work out too well. So it's uh, it'll be a, a tough, tough mountain to climb. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's talk about The Batman. This is the movie coming from Matt Reeves. It's another redo of The Cape Crusader. And uh, he has released a photo online. The production has begun. We, we get to see a clapper. We get to see a logo of, of some kind. But I think the, the most interesting thing is we're learning about some new characters and who are playing them. Brad, tell us about it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So the Batman, uh, it seems like they've been in production for a little while now because there were some set photos that were going around online with Gotham City police cars and uh, news vans and that kind of thing. Uh, but that was likely just Senate, second unit photography, getting some things done before principal photography started with the primary cast. Um, but today, Warner Brothers announced the official start of production. Matt Reeves posted the day one photo, um, basically letting us know that they're really getting into it now. And along with that came some details about the characters that Peter Sarsgaard uh, and Jamie Lawson are playing. Uh, Previously, some people thought Peter Sarsgaard might be playing Harvey Dent uh, or that he might be playing Hugo Strange. Since there was a a photo that Maggie Gyllenhaal had actually posted on Instagram of him, of her shaving his head, but he still had like a full beard. Um, And it it was only half shaved, which was where the Two-Face speculation came from. But it turns out he's not playing anybody uh, who has a history in DC Comics. Uh, he's playing Gotham District Attorney Gil Coulson. Uh, so that's something that's created specifically for this movie. Uh, we don't necessarily know what his role is beyond just his title. Surely he will have uh, interactions with the police force, likely Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, and the same can be said for Jamie Lawson. She's playing a character named uh, Bella Real, who is a Gotham City mayoral candidate. And that's also a character not found in the comics uh, either. So, yeah, that doesn't really tell us anything extra about the movie, except there will be some uh, politics involved since we have a mayoral candidate. Uh, And it'll be interesting as to whether or not we'll see Harvey Dent pop up at any point. Uh, In our Slack, actually, I told Jacob that I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we see Gil Coulson get killed and then replaced by Harvey Dent at the end, perhaps with like a cameo by uh, uh, the person who will play him in a sequel or something like that. Ah, that could be interesting. Uh, in, where do we receive this information from? Do you know? Like this, it new... seems like it just it, it just came from a press release uh, that Warner Brothers announced the, the start of production. So it is official information. Interesting. Um, I'm wondering how big the roles are, but we're we're gonna keep an eye on that. I'm sure there's gonna be some set photos and stuff that we can give us some more information on on this production. And uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, another comic book adaptation that's in the works and this just hit right before we went on the podcast is this project uh from boom studios and seth rogan uh and it seems like it's about a a killer meme (laughs) hd tell us about this it's revenge of the killer memes Uh, and seth rogan himself is no stranger to being a meme but now he's on board to develop a movie about a killer meme he's teaming up with the batman co-writer mattson tomlin to pen the adaptation of mimetic a horror comic by James Tinian IV that follows a viral sensation that becomes the source of a zombie virus. 
which threatens humanity. Uh, the film is under Lionsgate and um, is uh, which is in final ne- negotiations to acquire the Boom Studios comic, um, and uh, it's uh, currently under. Uh, under Seth Rogen's banner, Point Grey, um, and uh, two of them are co-penning the the adaptation, uh, which yeah is uh, is about a killer meme. It basically tells the story of a popular meme known as the Good Time Sloth, which um, becomes <laughs> a viral sensation and uh, a half a day after it goes viral, uh, causes people to uh, go insane and go into a murderous rage. So it seems like a, a kind of a joke. Of a premise, but and with Seth Rogen on board, it seems like it ha- could have a more satirical sort of bent to it. Um, and Mattson Tomlin is a rising uh, rising screenwriter right now. He hasn't really been on many big projects other than the Batman, but it seems like he could probably bring a more serious uh, sort of tone to this. So who knows what the tone will be for this yet? But um, it seems like a fun. It's about a killer meme. So what else do you need to know? See, I've lo- I've looked at the Wikipedia entry for this, and it doesn't seem to be a comedy mm-hmm. i don't know it seems to paint it as a horror comic which mm-hmm. it, it, it's i don't know hearing about it it just feels like a comedy and seth rogan getting involved seems like it's going to be a comedy uh i don't know i, I know i i once read this book by chuck Palinuk, the the guy that did uh fight club and he had this book called lullaby which was about a a lullaby that would kill people if they heard it, um, mm-hmm. but th- th- this is taking things up a notch with the the, the memification. Uh, is this a movie that you would see, HT? You know, I actually was. I had no idea what this movie was when this this yeah. uh, or the story was when this news broke. But reading the synopsis really fascinated me. It does seem like a fun premise. <laughs> And it's actually something that I think Kingsman, the Golden Circle, did similarly with the uh, um, you know, the the cell phones sort of leading people's heads to explode or whatever. But this yeah, yeah. seems more uh, more of a very pointed metaphor. <laughs> okay, so the Super Bowl is approaching us, and there's a bunch of commercials that uh, have hit online or we're hearing about. Uh, I'll put links to them in the show notes because there's this new uh, commercial for Mountain Dew Zero, which you reviewed on a previous edition of The Water Cooler, Brad. Uh, This has Brian Cranston remaking The Shining. And I know you wrote this up. I'll put a link to that. Uh, Brad, what what do you think of this commercial? Uh, You know, I mean, it's on one level, it's fun because it's it's interesting to see Brian Cranston take on the Jack Nicholson role uh, of Jack Torrance and Tracy Ellis Ross as his wife, Wendy. But at the same time, it's a Mountain Dew commercial, so it's super hella cheesy. I will give it credit, though, because whoever directed this, and there, there hasn't been a name that's been uh, associated with the commercial yet, uh, they did a really good job of recreating shots from The Shining. Uh, very specifically, the shot when uh, Jack first swings the axe into the door, uh, they perfectly mimic the like the quick pan shot of how, how he go, goes along with the swing into the door. Uh, so it's it's very well done. Uh, but very silly, uh, especially the end shot, which features Brian Cranston as the creepy twins in the hallway, both holding Mountain Dew, uh, zero sugar bottles. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's super weird. But you can check that out online. Another one that we're just hearing about it is they're going to be remaking Groundhog Day again as a Super Bowl commercial. HD, what do we know? 
Yeah, talk about deja vu. So Bill Murray will be uh, reprising his role as the cynical TV weatherman in a Groundhog Day-themed Super Bowl commercial for Jeep. Uh, he was spotted filming the commercial with his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, and um, also former star Stephen Tobolowsky uh, reprising their roles as Mayor Buster Green and Ned Ryerson, respectively. And they were shooting in the original town of... Um, of Woodstock, uh, Illinois, where the original film was originally shot. And uh, it was recreated to look like Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And um, so it seems like they've uh, definitely recreated the uh, the original film quite a bit. And uh, we haven't seen the commercial yet. It will likely debut closer to Super Bowl Sunday. But um, yeah, that seems like it's going to be happening again. I'm excited about that because I I'm a huge fan of Groundhog Day. I mean, who isn't? But it's it, great. It, yeah, it's great. And uh, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is on Groundhog Day, so. Oh, I yeah, didn't even so know that. Wow. Great timing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one last one, which is actually going to hit before the Super Bowl, but I'm sure this is going to air during the Super Bowl as well. They have a new Fast and the Furious movie coming out, and there's a teaser trailer coming out. Uh, there's a little bit of that trailer online. Uh, Brad, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, actually, a, a kind of a lot of bit of that trailer. It's almost a full minute uh, from the Fast and Furious 9 trailer, or Fast 9, as they might be calling it. Uh, and it's really just a setup with uh, showing Vin Diesel with his son, Brian, named after Paul Walker's character, uh, because everyone loves naming their kids after their friends who are still alive but just don't want to hang out with them anymore. <laughs> um, so the, he's fixing a car with him, helping out by picking the wrenches. Uh, but then it gets a little ominous because... Dom and Letty put little Brian to bed, and Letty gives uh, Brian the cross necklace that has been handed around throughout the franchise and given back to Letty when she came back from the dead and uh, had her memory restored. God, this franchise is insane. Um, <laughs> and uh, says, says uh, here, this will keep you, uh, this will protect you for what's coming. And it's like, whoa, what is coming? And why are you, like, scaring your child by telling them they need a necklace to protect them? <laughs> Uh, so we'll we'll see what's going to happen in this ninth installment of the franchise. Um, my favorite part of this, though, is that is Vin Diesel's reading of uh, I can't live my life with my little mile out of time anymore. <laughs> Why can't he, though, Brad? Why can't he? He's got a son. He's got to be responsible. He can't just be, you know, fast, fast adrenaline-fueled Dominic Toretto anymore. He's got to take care of his kid. He's got to feed him cereal and stuff. So maybe he can live his life one-eighth of a mile at, uh, I, I guess he, a mile at a time yeah probably just a mile at a time <laughs> um there's also a poster out that shows vin diesel looking sad facing away from his car and in that same necklace is hanging from from the uh what is that the mirror uh yeah does that mean that brian is going to be killed I, I, that's such a gruesome thing i don't think they're going to kill the kid that that Dom well, just learned he had in the last movie. <laughs> well, some people have this theory online, and I mean, they could they could kill him, and then in the next one, they could realize that the you know the kid is still alive and has been brainwashed by the bad guys. You know, it fits into the fast mythology. That's preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. I, nothing's beyond uh, this this series, which, by the way, is being called the Fast Saga. This is something new. Like they they have online. Like actually, the Twitter name is at the Fast Saga, and they're doing these hashtags. So I guess 
were... Because just like Star Wars, this franchise has followed the Fast family. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's a way, like, because now they have Hobbs and Shaw and they have those spy racers or whatever. Like, this is the way that that the normal general public people know that this is, like, the main saga, right? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Also, what is the name of this movie? Because I see them using F9. Nine. Is it Fast 9 or F9? I think, I think, uh, who knows? Nine. Maybe it says fast, 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 fast. Yeah. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if I said it nine times there, but. Brad, are you ex- at, at all excited for this movie? Uh, I'm excited in the way that I, I get excited um, to to get drunk, I guess. I know it's <laughs> going to be something stupid. and I'll probably regret it afterwards, uh, but it'll be fun while I'm doing it. <laughs> I feel like I loved Fast Five, and every installment since have kind of like gone a little bit further downhill. Itchy, how do how do you feel about the Fast and Furious franchise? You know what? I like them. I have a fun, dumb time at them. I did not like <laughs> Fate of the Furious. It was a bad movie, but I had um, watched all of the Fast and Furious movies in this one giant marathon with my friends because I'd never seen a single Fast and Furious movie before, and I had. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. What was that like? I'm, I'm curious. Like, oh, we set aside like 14 hours in our day, and we got we got a bunch of Coronas and some chili, and we just like marathoned all of them. I think we skipped four though because it was a bad movie. Um, and then we just watched through, through the entire day. It was a uh, it was a lot. It was quite a, an experience. Just felt like um, driving really fast afterwards. Wow, I can't even imagine. Like. Wait, how many hours of movies is that? It was a good, like, plus 12 hours, at least. Wow. 12 plus hours, sorry. I don't Long know. Time. I'm, I'm not sure. I would never do it again, but, um, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're she was, good. She was just living your life a half hour at a time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That does it for today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast, Slash Film Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to a Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. Neat.